Hey yo, welcome to Build to Be You. My name is Michaela and I am so pumped that you're here. I made this podcast so you can uncover what it means to be you and learn how you can fully step into your potential while trying to navigate your 20s, overcoming previous failures, learning to face your fears, dance with your emotions, and take messy action in order to build and become the best you. You can expect a little bit of mixed stuff love and a whole lot of real talk, but let me just say this journey is so much more fun with the bestie. So buckle up and let's do it together. Built to be you fam, when I tell you that I search high and low for the right fit for this week's podcast guest interview, it is no joke. A few months ago, I was starting my first travel assignment as a night shift nurse, and I was desperately searching for somebody who was posting content or educational information on Instagram about basically how to hack my sleep schedule, if you will. And I realized that there is a huge gap in educational resources out there for nurses, for shift workers, for the woman who really wants to level up in her life and chase those big, audacious, ambitious dreams that she knows that she's meant to do, but she doesn't have the energy to get there. And sleep is a foundational habit in order to create the life that you want. And I am so, so grateful that Shantha took the time out of her day to share her wisdom and knowledge with us and with me, with you about all things sleep, how to support yourself as a shift worker, you know, how to form better sleeping habits, how to support your sleeping routine, the benefits and effects that caffeine has and everything else in between. So it's safe to say that I am obsessed with this week's podcast guest and I can't wait to hear all that you take away from her wealth of knowledge. Welcome, Shanta. I am so excited to have you on the Built to Be You podcast. Thank you for coming on. Can you start off by telling us just a little bit about you and who you are? Sure. Thanks for inviting me, Michaela. Uh, my name is Shanta Gauda. I'm a board certified behavioral sleep medicine specialist, um, which you know I call myself a sleep psychologist for for ease. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist by training, but just have a really strong passion for sleep. So decided to specialize and. Uh, and focus on sleep. So I spend my time seeing patients in my private practice, Think Sleep, um, just to help anyone who's really struggling with sleep, might be diagnosed with different sleep disorders, or just interested in, you know, learning more about sleep and ways that they can improve it. I also enjoy um, lecturing and consulting for different, you know, psychology or other healthcare professionals, um, and, and consulting for different organizations. Awesome. I'm so excited to pick your brain with all things sleep because I know that the audience specifically here in Built to Be You is a lot of women in their 20s. So, you know, just high energy, very driven, very ambitious, but also a lot of nurses and a lot of shift workers. So we all know that sleep is important, but I think it's something that kind of gets deprioritized in the realm Absolutely. of sleep. So we're excited to hear what you have to share on sleep. So just start off by sharing with us a little bit about, you know, why sleep is important and the benefits that it has. Yeah, like you mentioned, I feel like, you know, nowadays, so many people know that sleep is important, we don't really have to hit that home too hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess maybe I could highlight some of the, you know, things that sleep impacts that we don't really think about day to day, you know, when we don't get enough sleep, we kind of notice that we just don't feel our best. Mm -hmm. uh, But we don't realize sometimes that sleep 
impacts literally every organ system in our body. So like not just our mood and our day-to-day functioning, but also our overall health, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, from our appetite to just our brain function, our immune function, our heart. I mean, it's so important. So I think keeping in mind that prioritizing sleep is so important for every aspect of our health is important. Right. And it's like the little things that you don't think about on like a day-to-day basis. I feel like, you know, like irritability or like hunger when you're at work and you're like, oh, it's just like you, like it's easy to push it off on something else, but really like there's probably so many moving factors of it, but sleep plays such a huge role. So for the woman who's super busy, maybe she shift works, you know, maybe she's taking care of tiny humans. How does she start to reprioritize sleep or reintroduce sleep into her life? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I always start by telling everyone how challenging it is. It's so easy uh, for me as a sleep specialist to say, you know, get your hours of sleep that you need, you know, but the reality is that with all of our life demands, we may not be able to get, you know, seven or eight hours in one chunk. Mm-hmm. Um But I think a great place to start for people who maybe haven't considered, you know, if they prioritize sleep would be actually scheduling it out. You know, we Mm -hmm. schedule everything in our lives, our work schedule, you know, when we have to take the kids somewhere, but we don't really write out when we're going to sleep. We just sort of let it happen whenever Mm -hmm. time allows. And we just don't have that kind of time. So I think one great step would be sort of thinking, okay, in this week, every night or every day, when am I going to sleep? You know, where am I going to get the hours that I need? Yeah, um, no, yeah, yeah, definitely. And the built to you community knows that I am a huge proponent of like schedules and routines and like sitting down to map out how everything fits into your day, because otherwise you're going to get to like 2 a.m. You're going to be like, wait, <laughs> I forgot to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot to do something here and maybe that's sleep or, you know, maybe it's something else. So I'm curious what's considered healthy sleeping. Cause I feel like we at least from like what I've read on like media and like just consumed, like what I was taught growing up, like everybody needs eight hours of sleep. Is that true? Yeah. You know, I kind of think that's a little bit misguided in the media, the focus on eight hours. You know, I sometimes joke and I kind of call it the myth of eight hours. You know, it's probably the average for, for healthy adults. You know, Mm -hmm. if you were to take the average of every healthy adult in the world, probably they'd fit the average would be somewhere around eight, but the reality is that everyone has different, uh, demands, uh, their body, you know, just like any other, you know, behavior. And so probably the healthy range, I think would be about seven to nine. That's sort of what the national sleep foundation has put out. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that's important to note because sometimes we get so focused on getting, you know, our eight hours, but perhaps we're someone who really needs seven, and that's what our body needs to sort of function at its best, we might sort of create insomnia for ourselves if we're trying to force another hour of sleep out of us each night. And on the flip side, if we need nine hours, we're really depriving our body of an hour of sleep that we need every night if we're only trying to get eight. So a good a good rule of thumb to sort of figure out, well, how many hours do I need is, you know, in a magical world, if you had a couple weeks off and you could really allow <laughs> yourself to sleep, um, you know, when you feel sleepy and, and sort of wake up when you're, when you're naturally, you know, waking up and mm-hmm. sort of track that over a couple of weeks, you know, you'll probably get to a point where you understand, well, how many hours of sleep do I need to function at my best during the day and not sort of feel like I need to grab extra caffeine or I'm dozing off in the middle of the day. Right. Right. I love that. In a perfect world, if we all had a couple of weeks off. 
Yeah. And for, and for, for those of us, for almost all of us who don't have that, I think, you know, sort of paying attention to your, your body and some of those cues would be another way, you know, like I mentioned, how sleepy really am I throughout the day? Um, some of those signs that you notice when you don't get enough sleep, you know, am I experiencing that? Could I really fall asleep at any point during the day? Those are some sort of signs that, you know, maybe I'm not getting the amount of sleep I need. Right. And I kind of am curious, like the role that the mindset plays in sleep too, because I feel like there's, at least for me personally, like nights where I get less sleep, but I wake up and I'm just like, oh, I'm not tired. Like I convince myself that I'm not tired. Like what does our like brain or our mind play a role in like that sleep wake? It's so important. <laughs> so important. I'm so glad that you brought that up. You know, I, I sort of divide most of the people that I talk to, they tend to fall into two categories, you know, one category that's just not prioritizing sleep. Mm-hmm. And so for them, I'm sort of, you know, beating at home that sleep is really important. It's going to help improve so many aspects of your life. We want to allow our body that time to, to recover and to get the sleep it needs. But there's another group of people who, who know sleep is important and they do prioritize it. And then they start to sort of worry when they don't get the sleep that they need. Mm-hmm. And, and for that group, I would say, like you're saying, you know, it is really important to sort of remind yourself that there are days I'm not going to get as much sleep as I really need, but that's okay. You know, there have been dozens of days that I've not gotten that much sleep, but still been able to sort of tackle the day and, and do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And just remind yourself that, okay, I'm going to prioritize sleep, um, you know, in future days. So you don't want to get into this cycle of worrying so much about getting healthy sleep that you end up not sleeping well, because it definitely can disrupt your sleep if you're hyper-focusing on getting good sleep. Right. Absolutely. And I'm really excited to like kind of pick this apart because I think about, um, like when you lay down at night and like you count on your fingers, like for the girl who's listening, who's like, okay, I need one, two, three, four, five, six hours of sleep is what I'm going to get at my 6am alarm to go into this 12 hour shift. So how does that impact sleep too? Yeah. Kind of counting down before your shift to know how much sleep you get. I I think that, that that can kind of set you up for, for more anxiety. And, you know, they've done studies where when you're really counting like that and you're really sort of watching the clock, as we say, of how much sleep am I, do I have left? You actually take longer to fall asleep Mm -hmm. um, than you would if you sort of relax unwinded and set your alarm and laid down to sleep. So you don't want to create more anxiety for yourself or, you know, reduce the sleep, the little sleep that you can get. Um, and also just making sure that you prioritize your sleep so that you don't put yourself in that situation as many times as you, you know, can avoid to be, um, to be able to get the sleep that you need. So that's where the scheduling can really be helpful. Um, so that that doesn't happen routinely. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And I like how you said, like, you know, like set your alarm for the morning and wind down. What kind of things do you recommend before bed to kind of like help with that unwinding? And what kind of things do you not maybe not recommend to do right before bed? Yeah, unwinding, especially, you know, people who do shift work, which, you know, we can talk about more is is just so important because you just can't go from sort of running at 100 percent to suddenly hit the bed and try to come down to a zero, you know, you really sort of have to slowly press the brakes and things that are great to fill 
that wind down period, you know, I, I like to encourage about an hour, but I know that realistically people may not have a full hour to devote to that. So whatever time you can give it, you know, starting at five or 10 minutes and sort of building a wind down routine um, is really useful. Things that really relax you and evoke positive emotions. So, you know, having good conversations with your family, um, maybe it's sort of getting a light massage from a family member. It could be watching something on TV, um, you know, and at that time of day or night, you don't want to watch something like a murder mystery that's <laughs> going to really rile you up, but something that you sort of, you know, enjoy that brings you joy. That's relaxing, like a sitcom you've already seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that takes some mild focus, like maybe a puzzle or some light reading, those are all great things to do before bed. I definitely don't encourage um, doing work before bed, you know, being on your laptop, sending emails, you know, making to-do lists for the next day, things that are naturally going to sort of bring you more alert Mm -hmm. Um, house chores, you know, like you want to sort of leave a buffer between your sort of obligations and responsibilities and when you actually get into bed to go to sleep. I love that. And I love that you made that distinction. Like, for the overachiever who's listening to this right now, who like always needs to work, 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 go, 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 like give yourself the permission slip <laughs> to just have that time and space before bed. And like you said, even if it's just five or 10 minutes and building on that, I think that's so realistic and so tangible for the busy listener who's like, I already have a busy enough day. I don't need to add more things in. But that's, I think that's super simple. And like just setting up those cues around your house or your environment to make Absolutely. sure that you're doing that's, that. That's such a common that's such a common problem that comes up and, you know, anyone who's busy wants to fill their day with as much productivity as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really one of those challenges that you have to sort of overcome of, well, I really need to allow myself to wind down because it's going to promote great sleep and great sleep is going to promote a more productive and efficient day. And so you really want to think about the bigger picture than just, but if I did skip my wind down, I could get laundry. I could get, you know, a couple more tasks done. We don't, we try not to think about it that way. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like opportunity cost. And we talk a lot about here on the podcast, like the ripple effect, like when you do one thing positively, it has a positive impact on another area of your life. So, you know, everything is intertwined and interconnected. And it's, I think sleep is just another healthy habit that so many people forget about. Like we work, we think about working out and eating healthy, but like sleep plays such a huge role in those things too. Absolutely. It, it definitely gets sort of slipped under the rug because it's such a, people think of it as such a passive behavior. You know, it's such a, um, we're not really taking an active role. It, it seems that way that we're not taking an active role. So we just sort of let it sit to the side. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, every organ system is impacted. So when we're working out, you know, we know that we're doing this for sort of our overall like healthy lifestyle, but we don't realize that when we're not getting the sleep that we need, our appetite hormones are, you know, really changing and our sort of levels of ghrelin are increased, which means that, you know, that hunger hormone goes up. So we feel hungrier. We're craving all these unhealthy foods when we're not getting enough sleep and our leptin levels, which is that sort of fullness hormone goes down. And so, you know, there's so much, related to our metabolism that's impacted when we're not getting, you know, the sleep that we need. It's so much easier to catch a common cold when we're not getting enough sleep, you know, our immune system isn't as strong. So we really need to prioritize sleep the way that we prioritize, you know, our, our diet and our exercise. 
Right. And I can just like picture the woman listening to this right now who's like starting to get like sweaty and stressed because she's like, I have all of these things. Like I'm, you know, extra hungry. I'm I'm not performing well in my workouts. Like, you know, I'm irritable at work. So like, where does she even start? (laughs) Yeah. And I imagine for all the shift workers thinking this, they're probably, you know, their ears are really perked because shift work can really complicate a lot of these things. You know, shift work is just not an ideal um, schedule for mm-hmm. our body. And we experience something called circadian misalignment when we are shift working, which is essentially that our sort of internal clocks are not matched with our clock of society. Mm-hmm. So our, our body is sort of awake and doing things um, that it would typically do, that it would typically do, you know, when it was sleeping and vice versa. Um, So where would one start? I would start by really trying to bring in as much structure as you can. Um, And, and that would be, you know, of course, starting with sleep, you know, if I have, you know, for example, if I'm working night shift, and I'm working 7pm to 7am, I I believe that's a common schedule. Yeah. So sort of thinking, okay, well, where, when am I going to sleep, really scheduling that out, you know, and perhaps that's like um, an eight to 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. or a 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You know, if you're lucky and you're able to get those eight hours, but really scheduling that in and then figuring out, well, what can I do to optimize that window? Mm-hmm. Um, so some just general strategies would be, you know, really communicating with everyone in your home about this schedule that you have, you know, because it's daytime for everyone else, perhaps, and they might need you for things. So really sort of putting your phone away, communicating to your family, bed partner, you know, that this is sort of my time to sleep. Um, and I, I really can't be disturbed. Um, also, protecting your bedroom environment, if you're sleeping during the day, you know, really investing in blackout curtains or an eye mask to really protect that, you know, you want to sort of replicate darkness like nighttime mm-hmm. if you're sleeping during the day, um, keep the bedroom really cool, um, just a really comfortable bedroom environment, just like someone might have at night. You know, those are some, some general strategies. And I would also say if it's possible to take a little power nap before your shift, um, that really is, is shown to reduce sleepiness on the job or sort of like that fatigue that you have. So even like mm-hmm. a 20 or 30 minute power nap before you head to your shift. Um, and if you have the luxury of taking a 20 or 30 minute power nap in the first half of your shift, if you happen mm-hmm. to have a job that allows for that, uh, that would also be really useful. Yeah, no, I actually giggle at that because one of my first jobs as a new grad, we had like a serenity suite and we would like cover each other's patients. So we could go take those like 20 minute naps. I don't know if it was frowned upon, but we we did it. And it was like the one thing that got me through night shift. But I feel like a lot of time, you know, like it's always like shift workers and nurses are like a different type of breed because we do work hours that not everybody works. And so, you know, sometimes I work with nurses who are like, well, should I just like quit shift work? Should I just leave bedside? Um, But I'm curious, like kind of the long-term effects that shift work has on just like health and sleep, if you have any insight there. 
Absolutely. I mean, it is, it is really, like I said, it's challenging. And, mm-hmm. and the reality is that shift work is not ideal for our right. overall health. Mm-hmm. It definitely, it definitely increases our risks of just overall accidents and so many health conditions, you know, like even for women and men, you know, reproductive complications, mm-hmm. um, GI distress and GI, you know, conditions, um, it can increase your risk for, you know, heart disease, high blood pressure. Again, there are ways with structure and planning that you can minimize some of those negative effects. Um, but oftentimes people are rotating shifts mm-hmm. or there's just some inconsistency to their schedule. And so they're not able to naturally pr- provide structure to their lives. Um, and it, and it is, it is definitely um, challenging. I would say that the other thing to consider is people definitely have different resiliencies to shift work. So, you know, you probably hear of like some nurses, um, friends or colleagues that you have that kind of just crush it. You know, they're able to sort of get up and just go to their shifts when they have it. They're able to sleep when they can. And you don't really notice that they're struggling. And there are some people who are very sensitive, you know, when they get off shift, it's really challenging to fall asleep. So there's individual result, you know, variability in how resilient someone might be. And as you get older, our resiliency does decline. So Mm -hmm. perhaps there are, you know, women who are doing great now, but it's definitely something to consider that, you know, I want to sort of keep track of how I do over time because perhaps I'm not going to stay this resilient um, in the long run. And, and there are people who have different tendencies. You know, you hear about people who are morning types or evening types. Mm-hmm. And I think evening types, those who do, you know, better at night, like to stay up late, sort of feel that alertness um, later at night, they do better in terms of less sleepiness on the job on night shifts and things like that. So there are some other factors to consider and, and perhaps, you know, it's not a easy answer for everyone, but perhaps for some people who really struggle and they can notice a lot of these negative health impacts already, you know, perhaps it is something to consider of, you know, is this the best shift for me? And is there something else I can do? Um, whereas people who are, you know, resilient and don't notice those effects could probably do it, um, you know, a little more successfully. Right. Absolutely. And I love that perspective. I love that you like really put the emphasis back on her who's listening, because like at the end of the day, it's like, how well do you know yourself, your tendencies, your resiliency, like how you operate and how you function. And I feel like a lot of nurses are just like, well, this is just the way that it is. But if you like really take the time to like slow down and acknowledge what's working for you, what's not working for you and kind of craft that life by design or that career by design of like what shift you're working, you know, are you working day shift or night shift, you know, do you need to go find nine to five or, you know, whatever those things are. So I hope that she kind of puts that back in her, like the ball back in her own court and is like, okay, so like, this is my time to check in with myself on all of these things that we've been talking about as far as sleep goes. Because at the end of the day, like it's, it's on you to decide. Nobody you knows to. yourself better than you. And, mm-hmm. and, and I do want everyone to, to keep in mind that, you know, even with these sort of differences in resiliency, there is always something that you can probably do to improve what you're doing Mm -hmm. now. I mean, even people who are sort of listening to the tips that I'm suggesting and say, well, I feel like I've tried that, or I feel like I've done that and that hasn't worked for me. You know, perhaps it's time to see a sleep specialist, um, you know, and 
even just a few sessions to sort of map out, you know, this is what my preferences are. This is what my schedule is like. Someone who can kind of work with you on, well, when might be the ideal time to sleep and nap and Mm-hmm. give you a lot of these very individualized um, recommendations to help you would be, you know, maybe that's, that's something that someone should do in those shoes. So, you know, there's definitely always hope. I never want someone to think, and I know a lot of shift workers think this, that, you know, we're kind of doomed with our sleep <laughs> and then, and this is just how it is. Um, I think people who have sort of sought out the help and and seen improvement wish that they had done it years prior. Uh, that that seems to be the the common theme. Absolutely, and like honestly, I didn't even know sleep specialists were a thing until this book that I had read. I don't even remember what it was called, but and then that's how I like, found your Instagram. I was like, I need to find somebody in this realm of work who can like come on and talk to the shift workers here because I think it's such an under talked about, underserved like it was so hard for me to find somebody who was a sleep specialist. So like, where do you start to even, you know, if you want, like she wants to go work with somebody who can do like that personalized one-on-one, like where yeah. are you available? It's challenging because there, there aren't as many trained sleep specialists as there needs to be. Um, but that's slowly changing. Um, I think the best way to find uh, like a sleep psychologist who might be able to sort of sit down and and go through your shift with you and, and come up with a plan would be the Society of Behavioral Sleep Medicine. They have a directory that um, you can click on the state and there'll be a list of all the providers and in whether they're accepting new patients and you can kind of reach out that way. Um, you can also, you know, if, if you aren't successful that way, just sort of searching, you know, finding your primary care and asking them if they know anyone or if they know a sleep doctor, a physician who might be able to recommend some, some options. Um, it's, it's not the most smooth process um, like, you know, calling and scheduling a, a, an appointment with your PCP. But um, I think the Society of Behavioral Sleep Medicine website directory would be the best place to start um, to find someone in your state. Okay. I will add that down into the show notes for anybody who wants to go <laughs> look and investigate there. I'm going to go toy around with it because I'm really curious too. I just think it's such like, I'm so fascinated by sleep, honestly. Like it, like once you realize just like all of the interconnections of it, it's like, it's so important. <laughs> it's, I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I, this is my favorite thing to do is talk about sleep. Um, but I, I do think it's so important. And just like everyone sort of has a checkup, you know, annually, I really wish that sleep was a stronger component of that kind of checking in on how you're sleeping, how the quality is and getting the tips and strategies that you need along the way, because we really take it for granted when we're young. And so I think one of the best things someone in their twenties could do is really learn about healthy sleep practices and follow that through, through their life so that they can minimize the risk of really developing um, poor sleep as they get older. Something that I don't think we do when we're younger. Yeah, absolutely. I just think about like the shift of quality of life and like the long-term benefits. Like it's not just like about feeling good next week or like for your next shift. It's like 50 years from now when, you know, you have grandbabies or whatever, and you're like trying to chase them around and you're like, I'm so tired, but like, you know, just starting to form those healthier habits now could just pay off in the long run. But, and I tell people to think about it just like exercise, you know, you don't kind of hop on the treadmill for 15 minutes and expect to lose a ton of weight. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know that it's healthy and that you should kind of consistently keep doing it. And in the long run, you're going to be happy that you were doing that as opposed to not. And so practicing some of these basic, 
energetic sleep, um, healthy sleep tips would be a great way to prevent developing problems down the road. Right. And I feel like this is one thing that has popped into my mind. A lot of people like, it's like they work like a stretch of three in a row shifts, like 12 hour shifts, or, you know, they're on vacation and maybe they're not sleeping as much. Is it possible to like catch up on sleep? Like, do we have like a sleep? I've heard like the term sleep debt. I don't really that, understand it, but do you know what I'm saying? Is that Yeah. It's a great question. I would say in overall, no, you can't make up all the sleep that you've lost, you know, mm-hmm. like for a lot of people who sort of deprive themselves Monday through Friday, and then they think that they could sleep in on Saturday and Sunday, you're definitely not making up all the sleep that you lost, Mm -hmm. but there is value in, in sort of making up sleep right around a period of, of sleep deprivation. So if you're going in on a shift where, you know, and and you have a bit really busy, you know, night and day schedule, and you know, like in this 24 hour period, I'm going to get very minimal sleep. There is absolutely value in, well, can I take a longer nap leading up to that shift? Or Mm -hmm. can I give myself a few extra hours to sleep after that shift? Um, So you can make up some sleep right around the missed sleep, but not long-term, uh, like on the weekend, making up for the whole week. I, I love that. Cause I, I hear a lot of people who like, you know, will work a long stretch of shifts or a couple of days. And then like four days later, like, well, I'm catching up on sleep from <laughs> my three in a row. And it's like, well, I, but like, I feel like there's, you have to have like a balance almost of like still getting up and like moving, like yeah. not sleeping too much. Yeah, you definitely want a balance. And and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times I get asked for shift workers, you know, well, what do I really do on my off days? Um, and this is, again, really tricky because you kind of want to have a life and, and be able mm-hmm. to, you, you don't want to maintain that exact schedule perhaps because then you're sort of sleeping through the entire day. Um, but I usually recommend some sort of compromised sleep schedule where you're not sleeping the same exact hours you would when you're on shift, but you're at least overlapping a handful of hours. So like, for example, if you're someone who works 7 PM to 7 AM and you tend to sleep right after your shift from like 8am to 4pm or something around those lines, then maybe on your off days sleeping like 3am to noon, mm-hmm. um, or something like that. So you still get a good chunk of the day to, you know, maybe socialize or get the things that you need done, but you're still, your body isn't fully confused because you're sleeping at least a few hours, the same time that you would when you were on shift. Right. I really, I, I love that perspective. Cause I feel like when I was on night shift, I was like one extreme to the next. It was like, I would sleep like nine to five and then I would sleep like 7 PM to 9 AM. So like there was no overlap there. So I think that's very like a good kind of visual and tangible tool. Yeah. And that, that I think that that sort of helps our rhythm, our mm-hmm. sort of circadian rhythms instead of really flip-flopping and really confusing, you right. know, some other considerations. Some other considerations I'll I'll, um, just add are really thinking about things like caffeine and um, your sort of your light exposure. Mm -hmm. Those are some really important qualities when you're shift working and and for anyone, even with a normal shift or a quote unquote normal shift, um, you want to remember that caffeine really has a long half-life and stays in your system for a really long time. And so having caffeine early on your shift, like, you know, right when you start shift or a few hours in is going to be much more valuable than having caffeine maybe later when you feel like you need it more because you're at the end of your shift, 
but then it could disrupt the sleep that you get when you get off shift and you come home and you're trying to sleep. Um, and of course the same with light exposure, you know, exposing yourself to more bright lights when you're on the first half of your shift, but then in the last few hours of your shift, you know, maybe wearing some blue blocker glasses, um, or really dark sunglasses on your drive home so that you sort of keep that idea that it's time to approach sleep, um, and get into a dark bedroom. So some things like that are, are good to consider as well. Right. And I can just think about the nurse who's listening, who's like, but I need my coffee like every two hours or, you know, whatever. (laughs) I've never been a huge coffee drinker, but I definitely have other energy drinks. I am definitely a drinker of, (laughs) but I think it's important to realize like the negative effects that caffeine can have on your sleep. Um, so like what's, you said, like it has like a really long half-life, like kind of what is that time frame? Or, you know, like if she works on a shift, is it like the first four hours, the first six hours? Yeah. So the average, I would say a cup of coffee, um, you know, for the average person, the half-life is somewhere between five and seven hours, meaning that five hours or six hours or seven hours after you drink that cup, half of the caffeine is still in your system. So, you know, what I would encourage someone who loves their caffeine, who's listening to this would be, well, maybe just sort of take note of, you know, how much caffeine am I consuming, Mm -hmm. you know, in a day and then asking yourself, you know, how satisfied am I with the quality of my sleep and my ability to fall asleep and sort of stay asleep? And if you feel like you could improve the latter, then reducing the amount of caffeine or perhaps having it sooner before you're actually going to sleep would be a wise decision. And I always tell people to experiment, you know, give yourself two weeks where you make a big change and you're consistent with it for two weeks, you know, perhaps cut out half the caffeine you consume, Mm -hmm. go for two weeks and just see if you notice a difference. Um, That way, you know, like, Hey, that really improved my sleep. And I think, I think I'm going to make this change long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like, opportunity cost type of thing. Like you never know what benefits or effects it's going to have if you never try it. And I love how you weren't like quit coffee, cold turkey. Like you can still have your caffeine. It's just like being mindful of the timing and the amount of it. Absolutely. And like, you know, I really value being realistic in our day-to-day lives. And I love my coffee. I would really be disappointed if somebody tried to take away my morning cup of coffee. Um, (laughs) And and caffeine can sort of be our friend, especially for shift workers. You know, Mm -hmm. you just had a rough day where you've had to sleep during the day. Maybe you didn't get the sleep that you really wanted. And then you've got to start a shift, you know, a cup of like 200 to 400 milligrams of caffeine can really help you. It can increase your alertness. Um, and perhaps it's going to protect you from, you know, dozing off or falling asleep while you're commuting. Um, so, so there's definitely a lot of value to caffeine. We just want to be cautious when it's sort of just, it's really getting in the way of getting quality sleep. Yeah, absolutely. And like one of my biggest, I wouldn't pet peeves maybe about the nursing culture is just like, you know, like we shift work, we don't sleep, we live off caffeine, like give via IV, like, you know, and it's like, we have to shift that standard and kind of start to take ownership of, you know, quality of life, quality of work, quality of, you know, just your professional experience in general. (laughs) So I think that that's huge. It's huge. And we really underestimate the value of physical activity and sunlight, you know, Mm -hmm it's so common 
you know, not even for shift workers, but I think anyone who has perhaps like a nine to five job can notice that in the afternoons, a little bit after lunch, you get kind of this dip where you feel like you need an extra cup of coffee or you feel like you could take a nap. And that's sort of a natural dip in our circadian rhythm. And something that you can do that's, you know, just as effective as coffee would be taking a little walk outdoors where you get some sunlight You know, sunlight can be really alerting and physical activity can really sort of help boost, you know, your body temperature or even just your mood. So I never want shift workers to, um, to overlook the importance of staying physically active and getting sunlight exposure when they can, because it's incredibly important for sleep as well as just their overall health. Absolutely. Yeah. And like one thing that I always do on my lunch breaks and like the nurses that I work with, I try to encourage them to do the same is like getting outside for your lunch break. You know, usually that falls in like the 12 to two ish range on a good day, but that's time to be outside. You know, you get your steps in walking off the unit. And so I am always a huge, huge advocate for that too. And I know that it makes a huge difference in that kind of like afternoon slump that some people are like, if you get a good night's sleep, then you won't hit the afternoon slump. But I love that you said like, that's a natural part of your circadian rhythm. It is. It's totally normal and healthy. We tend to blame it on our sleep the night before. We tend to blame it on what we ate. And maybe for some people, some days that might have played a role, but we can all feel that slump. Um, It's totally healthy and normal. And I think eating lunch outdoors is a great um, strategy for anyone listening. Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think about kind of the market right now, this kind of like transitioning, but I think about the market right now. And like, for example, like I have a hatch alarm clock. I really enjoy that to help with my sleep routine. Is there any other things out there like that you have seen, you know, either you had success with in your nighttime routine and your wake up routine, or you've seen other people like really like that have been helpful? Yeah, it's a great question. There's, there's so many products out there and I definitely can't say that I've tried them all. Um, especially because everyone has such individualized needs that, Mm -hmm. you know, something that's helpful for someone may not be helpful for others. Um, but I think I can't, I can't think of a single product, but I would say anything that you see on the market that you're kind of interested in, the the best thing to do is just sort of ask yourself, you know, like, what would this do for me? And is it going to promote a healthy sleep behavior? Like, you know, if it's something that helps make the room darker, for example, that's going to be great for you. If it's something that, um, is going to help you wind down before bed, sort of relax. Um, that would be great. So really just checking that the product is going to support, you know, is science supported and is going to really improve your sleep health. Right. Yeah. And it's like looking at the parts of your routine, like after you kind of, you know, take that ownership and do the audit of like what's working, what's not working and, you know, kind of filling in the gaps with those things. So I think that that's a good point that it's not really a one size fits all that just because like your favorite Instagram influencer uses it doesn't mean that <laughs> it's right. also going to support your sleep cycle. Right. And, and I know that as a consumer and as someone who might be desperate or really interested in getting, you know, their sleep on track, it can be really tempting to see something online and say, oh, that's going to fix my sleep. Um, but the reality is that if, if that were the case, I think all of us would have perfect sleep. So we really have to figure out, well, what is, what is my barrier to getting really healthy sleep and what can I do or what can I invest in that might, that might help me? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Well, is there any last little gold nuggets that you want to give us any last piece of advice that you want to share or anything that we didn't talk about that you're like, we need to hit this? 
I think we covered a number of things. I mean, I enjoy talking about sleep so much that I could do this all day, <laughs> but um, I would, I would say, you know, prioritizing sleep, like we mentioned is just so critical, you know, really allowing yourself the time to, um, to really get the sleep that you need is so important. And, you know, just keeping your bedroom environment positive, um, whether just, just the way that you feel when you walk into the room and making sure that it's dark, cool, quiet, um, and, you know, avoid looking at the clock, uh, really try to set your alarm and just, you know, spend some time unwinding so that you can get, you know, some quality sleep and, and really keeping your bedroom and your bed for sleep only. And that can be kind of challenging for, for shift workers because there's so much going on during the day, but, you know, you really want to protect that association of sleep and the bed. Um, and so, you know, doing all of those extra activities that you might do in bed, like watching TV and eating, um, really do it outside of the bed or the bedroom and sticking, uh, to just sleep in the bed, um, and trying to be really consistent. So, you know, if you can, take a look at your schedule and, and match when you should sleep and when you might sort of get physical activity and sort of keeping that consistency. I think um, those are some great places to start to try to improve your sleep. Yes. One more thing I want to touch on physical activity. Some people say like, don't exercise like right before you go to bed. And some like, I know shift workers like to work out like after their shift. So like, what's like the correlation there and kind of like a good time frame to get exercise in? Yeah, this is also a little bit of a balance, you know, and again, mm-hmm. different resiliency. Um, the idea is that when you're working out, you're sort of engaging a lot of different hormones um, and you're increasing your body temperature and you're sort of just making yourself a little bit more alert. So for a number of reasons, it can prevent your ability to fall asleep comfortably if it's too close to your bedtime. Um, but again, it's sort of like you're talking about opportunity costs. Um, if you don't have trouble falling asleep and you feel like you're getting good quality sleep and that is the only time that you have to work out, you mm-hmm. definitely want to work out uh, when right. you can. Um, but if it's possible to you know, push it a few hours before you're going to go to sleep, that mm-hmm. might help with sleep and physical activity. Yeah. And I think that really just hits home that like not every day is going to look the same. Like what you do on 12 hour shift days is going to look completely different than your day off. And so like, I think it's kind of like having to have like more of like a fluid mindset of like give and take that, you know, maybe you are going to get a little bit less sleep on these days that you work your 12 hour shift, but that doesn't mean like your whole life is ruined. <laughs> like, really staying away. Yeah. <laughs> really staying away from that all or none thinking, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, well, if I'm not going to get the full eight hours, then fine. I'll just stay up and do a lot and then go to sleep later. But you know, every minute of sleep that you can get is really valuable. So definitely do what you can. And uh, when you have the opportunity to get that full night of sleep, full day of sleep, get it. And when you can't do the best that you can and just, um, keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's other ways that you can support yourself. Like caffeine is not a bad thing. No, it's not. It actually does support you. So I think that that's like going to be like kind of a sigh of relief for a lot of people listening who are like, Oh my gosh, I should get like cut out caffeine. It's like, no, you don't have to, you just like subtle changes over time and like not changing every part of your routine all at once. I know here in Built to Be, we talk a lot about, you know, just like one small action every single day compounds. And so a couple of months from now, you might have a really, really solid sleep routine, even though you might not at this moment. 
that's probably the best summary that, that you could make for sleep. It's so true. You can't dramatically change everything that you do and that's not sustainable. So like you said, mm-hmm. small changes over time, you know, even just increasing your step count by like a thousand, you know, for a few weeks and then making sure you're getting 10 minutes of sunlight, you know, for a few weeks, all of these little changes are going to help you in the decades to come for your sleep. Um, so know that even though you're not going to be able to, to see that tangibly for a little while, but it's definitely benefiting you. Yeah, absolutely. We live in an instant gratification world and that is one of those things. Yes. All right, Shantha, where can we connect with you? Where can you find you? Yeah. So I am licensed in California and soon to be licensed in a few other states as well. Um, but if you're a California resident, really struggling with sleep, or you, you know, want to work individually, you can reach me at my website, which is thinksleep.org. And then for anyone interested in just sort of learning some tips uh, and some, you know, little nuggets of sleep info and demystifying things about sleep, you can um, sort of follow me on Instagram, which is think.sleep. Those are probably the two best ways to reach me and, and sort of stay up to date with some sleep info. Perfect. All right. Well, I will add all of that down into the show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with us about all things sleep. I know that I'm excited already to like go back and listen to this and start changing things in my own shift work sleep routine. (laughs) Well, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that I am so dang grateful that we are now on this journey through uncovering what it means to be you together. If you love this episode, make sure you share it with your friend or better yet, share it on social media and tag me so that way I know. Until next time, chat soon.